We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 today. We're going to continue on where we have, where we have been at. And uh, again, I was having prayer with some pastors from the community this past week, and one of the pastors says, said in, in our conversation uh, as we were talking, he said, you know, Solomon was one of those guys that had all the head knowledge there was to have, yet his heart was not only far from God, his heart was very, very empty and hollow. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's very true. Very, very empty and very hollow. We want to talk today um, about what are some of the issues that a fool might face. What are some of the problems of living like a fool? What are some of the dangers? What are some of the damages? What are some of the issues that a person in life might face when they don't know which way to go. Solomon's got some pretty intense things to say to us as we, as we look at his, his word today. Have you ever heard somebody make a comment like that? He's so smart, yet he's so stupid. <laughs> you, you heard that? That guy is so smart, yet he's got, he doesn't have any common sense at all. He's got all this book knowledge, yet he has, you've heard that, haven't you? If we were to define a fool, how would you define a fool? Don't point a finger and try to point out a personality. But if you could define a fool, how would you define a fool? What did you say? Okay, one who's been given wisdom yet doesn't walk in it. What else? What are some things that the Bible has to say about a fool? A fool says in their heart there is no. Okay. What else? What else? Who? Careless. Okay. Fool is careless. What else does the scriptures have to say or how would we define a fool? Builds your house on the sand. Builds with lots of, lots of words. Mm -hmm. Head knowledge but no heart. Yeah. What else? Someone who disregards God's word, spurns discipline, rebellious, hates knowledge, takes no pleasure in understanding. Let's see what Solomon has to say. Today, as we read his word and, and listen, man, this is one of those things you might as well just take a breather because somewhere along the line, something's going to speak to you. I promise you. Something from the past is just going to crawl up and it's just going to like look you in the face and you're going to go like, oh my goodness gracious, where in the world did that come from? It might be your, your spouse that's poking you. But it might be the Holy Spirit that's trying to point some things out to you. But let's look and see today in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 what, what he is saying here. And kids, let me go ahead and, and tell you up front what the bottom line is. If I were to, if I were to create a bottom line, I might go back to Mr., Mr. T and say, don't be a fool, you know. But we tried to be really simple and, and we, we wanted to make it really nice and so... God wants us to be wise instead of act like a fool, okay? But if we were to take it from Mr. T, don't be a fool. But let's see what Solomon has to say today as we read from his word. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1, he says, As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. So one of the problems of living foolishly, you might want to write this down. Foolishness can ruin your reputation. Anybody ever got a fly in your drink? Now, there's two different ways to respond to that. Now, if you're, if you're from Oxford, you just sort of pick the fly out and you're going about your business. Not the normal person's going to probably dump the whole thing out, right? Yeah. How many of us like flies in their drink? 
especially if he's old, nasty-looking, fly. You know, I almost brought a drink this morning and see if I could get a kid to drink it, but y'all probably would have drank it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Nobody likes a fly in their drink. And look at what Solomon's saying. He goes, here it is. You got a fly, a little bitty fly can make a huge amount of mess. And you got something that's really precious. And somebody's left the top off the bottle and a fly's got in and it's died. And Solomon says, you know, it's the same way with our reputation. All it takes is a little bit of foolishness to ruin our reputation. Just a little bit. What we have to value, what we tend to value the most can be ruined very quickly by something so small. What we might think at that moment might be so insignificant can cause so much damage. I mean, think about King David. Here he was, man after God's own heart. He was, he, he was not only loved by the people of God, but he was loved by God himself. He was a man that, that was after God's own heart, the scripture says. And yet here's David at this point in his life makes a tremendous amount, a tremendous mistake. They're on that rooftop. Bathsheba, you know the story. Yeah. Man, it just goes downhill from there. Noah, a hundred years, a hundred years building the ark. Faithfulness to the Lord. Here he was, he was ridiculed, he was abused by people. Because of his faithfulness to God, and yet he and his family would be the only ones that would be saved. And yet, yet after the waters receded, there was something that took place in Noah's life. Drunkenness that would lead to some issues that would just go downhill. Anybody ever had alcohol lead to some things that you wish you never would have done? Anybody ever, ever had their reputation affected as a result of, of drunkenness? Noah's was. And here it was, it happened later on in life and something that took place that he acted sinfully and foolishly. And it's easy for us to throw stones, isn't it? But what's it been for you? How many of us have done maybe not the same thing? Maybe how many of us have maybe done something foolish but not just been caught as of yet? We, saw, we say this all the time. Every one of us in this room are a step away from stupid. How many of us know better, yet we refuse to apply what we know to be true? Here's a great question. Great, great question. Maybe what's an area of your life that you're most vulnerable? What's an area of your life that you're most vulnerable to do something foolish? Gambling? Could be. Something in reference to sexual immorality? Could be. Lying? Cheating? Possibly deceitfulness? Could be. You know, what is your weakness? Doesn't really matter what your weakness is, the desired outcome of the enemy is still the same to destroy you and to destroy your reputation and to destroy your impact and your glory that you should be demonstrating for our Heavenly Father. That's what He wants to do. He wants to destroy you. And for some of us right now this morning, your weakness is staring you in your face. You've got to make a choice. What are you going to do about it? Acknowledge it or ignore it? Continue down the same path or say it's time. I'm going to address it. What will you do? Look at the second thing. Foolishness will be revealed. Look at there what he says in verse 2. A wise person chooses the right road, a fool, the wrong one. You can identify a fool by the way they walk down the street. The right is associated with strength. The right is associated with integrity. The right is associated with uh, morality. The left side of the road, the left arm is associated with weakness, immorality, or lack of integrity. And what Solomon is saying here, if you watch somebody long enough, eventually you're going to find out just who they are. 
what the scripture has to say. If you watch somebody long enough, it won't take long to reveal the true person that they, they, they really are. Because they'll reveal it in their actions and their attitudes as they go about their, their life. I remember a young boy one time telling me, I looked at him and I said, Tom, why in the world do you always want to hang out with me? And he said, you know, my dad told me if I ever wanted to get to know somebody, really know them, I needed to spend a lot of time with them. I said, that's pretty smart. Pretty smart. You can identify a fool by the way they choose to walk or they choose to live. Look at what verse 3 has to say. In reference to that, though, when we talk about God's Word, God's Word always tells us, and listen to this, what's right, what's not right, how to stay right, how to get right. So the right way, the right path, morality, strength, honor, integrity, where do you find that at? In God's Word, yet how many times do we reject it? How many times do we know it, yet we refuse to obey it? How many times do we refuse to live live by it? How many times do we refuse to live by or apply it to our lives? And maybe sometimes we refuse to apply it to our lives. Maybe it's, it could be because of forgetfulness. I guess we could claim that. It could be because of fear. You ever been in a situation where you are afraid to apply God's word to your life out of fear of what may take place? Fear of what others might say? what the ramifications might be if you were to actually live out what God's Word had to say? Or is it just because of flat-out rebelliousness? I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless of what God's Word has to say. That's probably where most of us stand. I know what God's Word has to say, but I'm going to do what I want to do regardless. And the Scripture says that person is a... Verse 4, if your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Write down this, a fool in power threatens a people. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to talk about this in a second. How many of us have ever recognized that maybe bosses, those in authority, have weaknesses? You ever thought about the fact that maybe a boss or a person in authority might be upset at you for various reasons. They may feel threatened. You may not be doing a good job. They may be experiencing pressures. Maybe they have it out for you. I don't really know. But I want you to think about it from a little bit of a different perspective. What, what he's saying here is a leader who is acting foolishly and not thinking right. You've got some options. You can turn and run. Anybody ever ran from somebody that was difficult? Anybody ever had a boss or a, an overseer or somebody that was in leadership over you that, that did not really maybe act the right way? How did you respond? What did you do to that person in, in authority? How many times have we seen a person that was in authority that has been influenced by somebody that was underneath them? Have you ever thought about that maybe you have a, the opportunity as a person working underneath to have an influence in the person that, you, that, is over, that is over you, that is in authority over you? Have you ever thought about that as a witness, and a, as, a, as a Christian, that you have an opportunity to influence the person that is in authority over you? What about Joseph in the Old Testament? You see where Joseph was, you know, he was betrayed by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit. He was sold as a slave. And yet he would end up being what? Second in control of all of Egypt. What about Esther and the king? Or what about David and King Saul? I mean, here's David. I mean, David was attacked by King Saul. At one point in time, he was, man, he was praised by King Saul. Saul wanted him always to be close. But then Saul ended up becoming very jealous of David. And eventually, he wanted to kill David. And yet, even at that moment in time, when David had the opportunity to kill him, David would not kill him. He would not take his life. And David said, I will not take the life of the one. I will not replace what God has put in place. That's God's responsibility. I'm going to leave that up to God. May God choose. May it, I'm going to let God handle it. But how can as a believer do you, do, you, do you handle? How as a believer do you bless those who are in authority over you? Solomon goes on to say in verse 5, he says, There is another evil I've seen under the sun. 
Kings and rulers must make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people in low positions to proven, to people of proven worth. If we take a, a close look at how the world operates, that we always don't put the right people in the right place, right? Sometimes we put the wrong people in the, in the wrong places. We, we have a tendency to rise people to the top just because of personalities or just because of the way they look or because of the, maybe their, their group of friends that they hang out with and it's always the right people aren't, aren't always in the right place. Jesus taught us that leadership wasn't about power and it wasn't about position, but it was about humility and service. But how many times do we bypass people that could have tremendous, out, tremendous impact? He goes on to say in verse 7, he says, I've even seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. People in the wrong place can threaten organizations. They have the ability to, to, cause, to cause problems inside of a, a community. It causes heartache. You know, when I think about leadership, I think about the men that serve at Heritage in the overseer positions. These are men. These are men of faith. These are men that when you see them and you look at them, go, you, you, just, you say, those are people that love Jesus. They're not the best looking men. Some of them are. But when you look at them, these are men that are in that position because they're trusted and they're wise. They're not perfect, but they love Jesus. They're fat. They're fat. Faithful. Accountable. And teachable. That to me is leadership, faithful, accountable, and teachable. A person that you can count on, a person that isn't a long ranger, a person that that's not only sees the, the need to be accountable to God, but also to others, and they're also teachable. They don't know it all. The ability to have to lean upon one another, that they're students. But in leadership, when we choose to disobey God and we make choices that conflict God's word, we will pose a threat to those that we lead. And parents, man, this, this applies to us in the home as well. Big time. So a fool turns his back on God and his counsel, and a fool says, I've got it. A fool says, I can handle it. And a fool says, says God's word, yeah, I'll tolerate it. But when it comes down to applying it, I know what's best for me and my family. They reject it and they refuse it. Let's talk about the damage of foolishness. Look at, uh, might want to write, write some of this down and let's, talk, let's maybe ask this question before we even, even go there. What are some of the actions of a fool that will lead to pain and suffering? What are some of the actions of a fool that might lead to pain and suffering? This should be pretty easy. Choices? Just think about your own life. Impatience? Refuse to listen and obey? Anger? Not listening to your parents' advice? Teenagers, children, did you hear that? That wisdom came 30 years after, yeah. yeah. What else? What, what are some of the actions of a fool that will lead to pain and suffering? Rebellion? Not being trustworthy? See, you don't think that not being trustworthy is a big deal, but if you're not trustworthy, man, it can, it can that's a big deal, isn't it? Dishonesty? Speaking before you think, leaning upon your own understanding. What are some of the damages of foolishness? What about that? What are some of the damages? Those are some of the attitudes. What are some of the damages that can happen as a result of foolishness? Severed relationships. 
broken families, job loss, hungry, separation from God, financial chaos. What else? Who? Fear? Children, generations behind us, incarceration, death, heartache, tears, loneliness, stress, needless suffering. Look at what he says here. We talk about damage of foolishness. Look at what he says in verse 8. And write this down. Fools experience pain. Sometimes we experience pain because of the issues of others. But how... Most of the time, the pain comes because of our own choices, things that we bring upon ourselves. Solomon says, when you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there's danger with each stroke of the axe. And Solomon says, listen, every one of these things are fool. What are, uh, every one of those things are damages that they can bring upon themselves. You dig, a, you dig a pit, you have the opportunity to fall in it. Okay? He says, listen, you, you, you knock down a wall. He said, when you go to pick it up, you might be bit by a snake. Now, if, you, if you've not grown up in the woods, you probably don't understand what this is about. But when you're picking up stuff, what do snakes crawl up underneath? Yeah. So this makes total sense to me. I understand this. When I was home working at mom and dad's the other day, I was picking up some stuff and I understood. Every time I went to pick it up, what do you think I was thinking? There might be a snake up under here. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall on your head. When you're chopping wood, you might get hurt. And he says, your actions, your actions, you, you have the ability to harm yourselves. Yet how many times... We're blaming other people for what we're experiencing. How many times do we blame other people for the, for the stuff that's going on? How many times is it, it's always, well, you know, it's the government's fault. It's my mom and dad's fault. It's my sister's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my spouse's fault. Never any acknowledgement that you might have something to do with it. Never any acknowledgement that I might be responsible. Anybody else ever made any excuses in here? How many times do we do that when really who's the one to blame? Yeah. <laughs> I told this story the other day. It's been a long time since I've told this. <clears throat> I was goofing off. I can tell you where I was at. I was sitting in that corner of the church, and Dad was sitting in the choir loft, and he was, they were singing. And then Brother Bobby began to preach, and, and he was preaching. Parents do some of the dumbest things sometimes. And my dad stopped the preacher from, from speaking. Now, you just don't do things like that, okay? But he, he stopped him from preaching. And he said, Brother Bobby, excuse, excuse me one second. This is in the middle of the crowd of people on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. It's just out of, you know. He said, I, Brother Bobby, would you please ask Sidney what, what he's got going on in the back that's so important that he's talking while you're talking? <laughs> that was a bad day. <laughs> so... <clears throat> It was quiet all the way home. You ever got to quiet <laughs> on the way home? So what do you do when you get in the quiet all the way home? What are you thinking in your head? Uh -oh. You're coming up with an excuse, right? Going back to what I just said about excuses. I didn't have anything to do with it. Somebody, somebody else made me do it. So I came up with my excuse. He said, go to your room. I went to my room. He said, uh, he came in there and he said, uh, he said, all right, son, I said, Dad, before you get down to business, I got, I, got to, I got to tell you something. This is before lunch. Man, that's a bad thing to get a spanking before, before lunch. <laughs> I said, Dad, I, I just really need to tell you something. I've been thinking about this a lot, and 
I've really been struggling with some things, and I just want to tell you that uh, the devil made me do it. <laughs> and Gail, he looked at me as serious as he could, and he said, boy, that's, that's good. He said, but I'm going to beat the devil out of you. <laughs> and the only thing I remember, I kept saying, he's gone, he's gone, he's been gone. So kids, the moral to that story is don't ever tell your parents the devil made you do it, okay? <laughs> I go back to King Saul and thinking about King Saul. We always want to blame somebody else. We just don't want to admit it. But King Saul, I go back to what God told him. Yet he just didn't just wanted to ignore. He knew what he could do and what he couldn't do. He knew what God's word had said. He knew what God had told him. And yet he, he just went ahead and ignored God. He went off and he did some things that God told him not to do. And if you go back and you look at the story, it's very interesting because what ended up happening, God told him to go in and destroy the Amalekites. And yet, there in 1 Samuel chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and in that area, um, he didn't do what God told him to do. Matter of fact, before this, he had offered, he had offered up an offering when he knew that his he wasn't a priest that didn't have that responsibility, couldn't do that. And Samuel just got ticked at him and said, what in the world are you doing? But he got scared and got afraid because the people began to scatter because they were afraid. They were fixing to go into battle with the Philistines. So here they are going to battle with the Amalekites. And man, he's all cocky and man, he's got this attitude. And so God tells him, listen, wipe them all out. Every one of them, wipe them all out. Wipe all the... All the animal, everything. Wipe it all out. But he didn't do that. He, he kept back Agag, the king, and he kept back the best of all the flocks. So here comes Samuel along, and Samuel said, Man, what's that, what's that noise I hear, that bleeding? Is that sheep? Man, I thought God told you to get rid of all of them. Well, you know, I, I thought I would just keep some of the best behind so I could sacrifice some things to the Lord. And if you remember, that's where we get obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen, your offering means nothing. To the Lord, if you don't desire to obey Him with your, with your life, it's worthless. Worthless. And yet we see in the ending of the story, here's Saul, he becomes wounded. He tries to get his servant to kill him. He won't do it, he's afraid. So Saul falls on his sword to kill himself. But then we find in 2 Samuel that maybe he didn't just kill himself. As a matter of fact, we find out that through a little bit of a turn in the story, there was an Amalekite that came along and found him still alive. And he tells David in 2 Samuel chapter 1, he starts bragging about the fact of what took place. And he's the one that took his life. So here it was, the ones he was supposed to kill off. An Amalekite was the one that took his life. How many times does our foolish actions cause harm because we don't do what God tells us to do? This is every one of us in this room. Because I promise you, every one of us in this room has acted like a fool at some point in time. And I am not excluded. Do you hear what I'm telling you? But a wise person, look at what he says there in verse 10. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the axe. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. <laughs> I am not the man I used to be. I used to just axe, 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 chop, 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 chop. Now I better sharpen, 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 sharpen. Not as tough as I used to be. I can't manhandle things like I used to be. So I better be a whole lot wiser and a whole lot smarter of how I go about doing things. A wise person sees the world around him and takes the necessary steps to be successful. And write this down. A, fool's, a fool hurts themselves and others by their words. And in verse, 70, verse 11, he says, If a snake bites, bites before you charm it, what's the use of being a snake charmer? A serpent out of control can do a tremendous amount of damage. Just like a tongue. It's out of control. 
Anybody ever been hurt by foolish words? Anybody ever hurt somebody? Yeah. You know, it's why is it that we tend to hurt those that we're supposed to love the most? The ones that we're supposed to love the most are the ones that we have a tendency to, to hurt the most. Verse 12, wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. In other words, if you let them talk long enough, they'll destroy their own selves. What's the old saying? They'll dig their own grave. Fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions will be wicked madness. This is what the scripture has to say, Proverbs 18, 2 and 3. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Doing wrong leads to disgrace and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Proverbs 12, 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. There's wisdom in the counsel of godly men. Proverbs 12, 23, the wise don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their foolishness because they'll tell you everything that they know. Kids, how many, how many um, ears do you have? You got to be kidding me. You got two ears? I thought I only had one ear. How many mouths do you have? One. What do you think that means? That means we should listen a whole lot more than talk, right? Yet how many times do we talk a whole lot more than we listen? Yeah. Let's put that in adult terms. Adults, how many ears do we have? How many mouths do we have? Yeah. What does that mean? We should listen twice as much as we talk. But the fool, verse 14, chatters on and on and on. <laughs> but no one really knows what's going to happen. No one can predict the future. Write this down. It's a little bit different. A fool likes direction. So they got the dangers and you got the damage. And also the fool likes direction. A fool is lazy, no sense of direction or purpose in life. It says in verse 15, fools are so exhausted by little work, they can't even find their way home. If you only knew the number of people that call me looking, say, man, Sid, do you know anybody that's looking for a job? I'm trying to find somebody, and I can't find anybody. Lots of people want a job. They just don't want to work. Solomon says, listen, the fool can't even find their way home afterwards. They don't have a sense of direction. They go from job to job. But we're not talking about here just direction. We're talking about purpose in life. Man, God's got a great purpose in life, and it's just not to work a job 12 to whatever it is, 12 to 8, 9 to 5, 8 to 4, or whatever it may be. Man, you've got a purpose in life that's much larger than any job just to pay for income so that you can go to the movies and you can have a big house. You've got a purpose in life. But the fool doesn't understand that. They don't see that God's created for you for something much larger than that. Not only to make His name known, but to the others. You may bring glory to Him throughout this world. And as a result, they wander aimlessly without direction. And whatever satisfaction they may experience is only temporary. It just doesn't last long. A foolish and immature leaders harm those up underneath, underneath them. In verse 16, he says, What sorrow for the land ruled by a servant. Some translations, King James and others, have, have list, that listed as child. He says, What sorrow for the land ruled by a child. And he's not necessarily talking about age here, but it's about those with childish qualities or those with those type of characteristics. Ruled by a servant, the land whose leaders feast in the morning. Happy is the land, though, whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders feast at the proper time to gain strength for the work and not get drunk. 
Foolish and immature leaders harm those underneath them because they got their priorities out of line. And let me tell you this, characterist, character is very, very important. When you go to hire somebody as a business leader, character is extremely important. Competency is great, but let me tell you what, character will sustain you. You can teach somebody competency, but you can't teach them character. That's something that comes within here, and that's something that comes from the Lord. If you want a successful business, you hire people based on their character, not competency. I know great, competent people, yet you can't trust them. You can't trust them. You struggle, and you struggle, and you struggle. And he says here, Man, happy are those living underneath the king or the leader with wisdom who feast at the proper time. There ain't a thing wrong with celebrating. It's just about when you celebrate. There's a proper time for celebrating. And it sure isn't in the morning time when you're supposed to be working. It's a blessing for children who have parents that seek to follow and obey the Lord. It's a blessing for those that are working in a business who have leaders that are seeking to obey the Lord. It is a blessing For those inside of a church that have leadership and overseers that are desiring to serve the Lord. On the contrary, when a country or a business or a home has leaders who are foolish and are living to please themselves or seeking their own pleasures, it's a tremendous amount of harm and heartache. Hello? We see that now, don't we? A lot of elected officials... They're not in it for you. Don't you lump everybody into that occasion because there are some elected officials out there that are doing their best to try to represent you and they love the Lord and they're not trying to be selfish but they're trying to be selfless. One friend of mine was serving. He said, you know, I went into, I went into this thing. He said, I thought I'm going to get up there and I'm going to get into Washington. I'm going to set everybody straight. And he told me, he said, you know, I found out there's some really good men and women there that love the Lord. There's some people there that have some great priorities. Not everybody is corrupt. And I learned a lot. You got some major choices to make coming up in the next few weeks in reference to local decisions that need to be made in reference to who's running for office, and you better do your work. State elections as well as national elections. I think if you spend time with the Lord, he'll tell you what to do. But I'm going to tell you this, guys, it don't look good whichever way you turn. Because I didn't read the book. And our hope is not in who's in an elected office. I better get off that subject, I guess. We could be here the rest of the day. (laughs) Write this down. Complacency of the fool eventually leads to destruction. Verse 18, laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. A neglected house will come to ruin when you don't repair it and keep up with it. My dad, I had a hip replacement. I had to take him out. I said, get in the truck. I'm fixing to take you for a drive. You're getting depressed. I got to take you on the ride. So we're going down the road, and we're looking. And he said, hey, look at that house over there. It's got a sagging roof. Won't take long before it what? Falls in. Yeah. If you don't take care of something, what happens to a leak? Is it just repairing a leak? If you leave a leaky... If you leave a leaky pipe, after a while, it's not just repairing a leaky pipe. After a while, you're going to be replacing a wall, and not just necessarily a wall, but you got mold. And by the time it's all done, man, you got to replace the whole house. Laziness. Doesn't take long for something that's brand new to end up broken or messed up because of lack of care. Complacency eventually will lead to destruction. And Solomon concludes, and seems only appropriate because he's a king, and he says, and he says something like this, and I'm just going to, there, verse 20. Never make light of the king, even in your thoughts, and don't make fun of the powerful, even in your own bedroom. For a little bird might deliver your message and might tell them what you said. So here's Solomon the king, and uh, he says something like this. That if the king's a fool, you better not talk too loud. 
because he might hear. As a matter of fact, he probably will hear. We're to get back to him somehow. And because he's a fool, instead of receiving the correction that he ought to receive and making the adjustments, he's probably going to retaliate against you. So receive that word for whatever it's worth. So with that being said, the dangers, the damages, the lack of direction, What about wisdom? What happens if we don't choose the life of a fool? What happens if if we say, okay, I don't want to live that life of a fool, but I want to be wise. What are some ways that a wise person can bring restoration? Be an example, sharing wisdom that we've learned, being an encouragement to others, spending time in God's Word and desiring to apply it to our lives, sharing hope in Jesus, restoring those who are broken, being slow to anger so they bring about the opportunities for healing, speaking God's truth, understanding that they are agents of forgiveness and reconciliation, leaving room for God to work. If you want to be wise, recognizing that God's in control, people, not us. There's only one Savior. His name isn't Sidney. And his name ain't Mark. And it's not Tom or Larry or Fred or Mike or or whoever. And it's not Alan or Sharice. You know, it's it's not us. But it's God. It's God himself. And I wonder why Solomon spent so much time talking to us about the fool and giving us this information. Is it because, is it because he, he saw all the positive attributes and consequences that would happen as a result of living the life of a fool? Listen, if you live the life of a fool, man, your life's going to be great. I promise you, it's just going to be bountiful and many blessings. No. <laughs> no. That's not what he was saying. Solomon was warning us because he knew what would happen if we refused to receive God's word or if we chose to reject God's word and apply it. He knew that if we end up living a life that was characterized by rebellion and lack of humility, that we would end up reaping the consequences of those decisions. The hard thing about it is is this. The consequences are not always immediate. Sometimes they're down the road. Sometimes we don't pay then. I mean, if, if you, I was cooking some bacon this morning. Can you smell it? <clears throat> and, um, you know, if, if the oil splatters out on you a couple of times... If something's immediate, we have the, most of the time, hopefully the common sense to make an adjustment quickly. But when it's down the line, we think, oh, well, God doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It's not that big a deal. But Solomon's not only warning us, but he's saying, listen, yield to God's authority. And not only yield to it, but remain under his authority. And I know you know that's true. And you want to believe that's true. Because when we don't do that, we end up with scars. And some of you in here this in this room bear the scars of the consequences of foolishness. Foolish decisions. Not only some of the decisions that you've made, but the consequences that have affected you that others have made. And you're wrestling. And the only thing that can mend those broken pieces is Jesus. So the best thing that we can do is yield ourselves. 
humble ourselves and say, yeah, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Now, what's Jesus saying to you? What do you hear? What do you hear? Because I know some of you have heard something. I know some of you have heard some things, so I'd like to know what you've heard. Because this is much bigger than the fly being in your drink. What have you heard? Amy? Anybody know church people that goes to church but don't live for Jesus? Not every man that crieth, Lord, Lord, will enter the gates of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of my Father. That's what Matthew 7, 21 says. That's what Jesus spoke. It wasn't my words. You can go to church every day. You can go to Bible study every day. You can teach a clap. You can preach every Sunday. I don't mean a hill of beans. You can be far, far away from God. What do you hear? What do you hear the Lord saying to you? It's awful quiet in here today. Walk the right road. To right and the left, morality, integrity, humility. Yeah, walk the right road. Doesn't take long to, to see a fool if you watch him long enough and somebody's watching you. Somebody else. What do you hear the Lord saying to you? Yes, Johnny. Surround yourself. Surround, have a group of people around you that you can trust, that are godly people that can, you can go to for wisdom. Not just people that tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, what God's Word has to say. Not just tell you what your itching ears want to hear, because the Scripture says in those days, in the last days, we'll surround ourselves with, that will, with people that will tell us what we want to hear. And you've got to be really careful of that. Surround yourself with, with godly people, wisdom. Logic is not always wisdom. Remember that. God's ways are not our ways. Not always our ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Anything else? Anybody else? What do you hear God saying to you? If you love me, you will obey me. If you take direction... Take your cues from God and you'll never be misled. What is Jesus saying and what am I going to do? How many of us honestly, truthfully look back on life and, you, and, and, and just in a, you see the mistakes. You see the choices that you've made that have just been wrong. And they've not been accidents either. Let's, <laughs> that point of decision, you knew it. You even knew what God's word says. Because you maybe even talked about it, but you said, no, I'll do it anyway. Teenagers, it might have to do with your dating life. You know what God's word has to say in reference to do not be equally yoked. And yet you want to go out here and you want to have affections for somebody that doesn't love the Lord. You want to you have that relationship with them. And you get caught up and all of a sudden, you're attached to somebody that doesn't love the Lord. They're not taking you anywhere near the Lord. Children, in reference to obeying your parents, man, God's put them in your life for a specific reason. Obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. 
It's right. If you can't obey your parents who you can see and identify with, how in the world can you obey the Lord who you can't see? You read His Word, but if you can't obey and respect your parents and honor them, man, your parents are going to make a lot of mistakes. It's a good thing to tell our kids. We make lots of mistakes, don't we, parents? Honor the position. Honor the position. You respect them and you honor that position. It's important. You willingly yield and submit yourself and place yourself underneath because that's what God said do. Yield. Place yourself underneath. But what are you going to do with what God says? Are you just going to be like the Greeks and sit around and debate it all day long? Are you going to do something about it? How are you going to apply it to your life? See, some of you may need to go to somebody today and, and ask the Lord for, and ask them forgiveness. Not only the Lord for forgiveness, you might need to go to them and say, listen, man, I wronged you. Some of you may need to make some phone calls. Some of you may need to, to just, I don't know what it may be. But how are you going to respond? To hear it, one thing. To apply it, it's a whole nother, whole nother thing. That's between you and the Lord. And I've learned that those of us that tend to judge from time to time, we usually got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. We've just failed to acknowledge it. Any last comments before I pray with you? That's Meredith likes it nice and crispy. It's not a debate about, is there a God? The Jews knew that there was a God. Here was the issue. Tell me what he's like. Tell me his attributes. Tell me, tell me um, about the, his character. And so in the Old Testament, you see these things discussed as, as they talk about the story of God uh, through, through the Old Testament. Are you with me? And yet the Greeks, they wanted to sit around and just discuss, is there a God? The Jews said, no, there, there is a God. Here's his word. Now how are we going to apply it to our lives? But a lot of times in church, we want to sit down and talk about and gain all this knowledge, yet there is no application. It's all in the application. It's not just that, but it's, the, it's, the lo it's not the love of knowledge. That was, that was from a Greek perspective. That's where we get the word philosophy, the love of wisdom. Phileo, love, wisdom, Sophia, the love of wisdom. But it's about the application. Application of it. Application. What is Jesus saying? What am I going to do about it? We're going to focus on that this next year. But that's for all of us. It does no good for us to hear it and then to walk out of it. Walk out of here and do nothing about it. And what Solomon is saying, listen, you are a fool. And there's dangers. And it causes great damage. And when you don't listen to God's word, you lack direction and you lack purpose. You wonder why you're struggling? You wonder why you're struggling maybe in your job? Maybe you've forgotten that you're living for a greater purpose than what you're doing now. And you're, you're God's child. You're a testimony for him to teach others. That you, as a believer, should not only be teaching others about what God's Word says, but discipling them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I mean, teaching them to observe all things which He's commanded. You're a part of this journey too, not just me. You're a part of this process as well. 
It's a partnership. All of us are a part of this. It's a bigger picture, much bigger. But I think the whole, let's not get lost today in this thing about fools because it comes back to God's Word. You can know it. I know some smart people that are pretty doggone dumb. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. But I've made a lot of bad mistakes in my life. If God has shown you something today, if he's revealed something, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today, don't just walk away from it. Do something about it. Whatever that may be. And I don't know what that is. Do something about it. If you leave here, you, and don't do anything about it, and God has revealed it, you are considered a fool. I was in a conversation the other day, and somebody I said, do you know what a fool is? And they said, the person that says in their heart, there is no God. I said, yeah, that's true. But also the person that says in their heart, there is no God, knows God's word and refuses to do it. But be, be careful. Don't you dare judge. Don't you dare judge. We have no right to judge. You are not the judge. There's only one judge. Only one judge. Do you know Jesus? It begins with humbling yourself and recognizing and acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner. That's where it begins. That's the starting point. And if you don't know him, today's a great day to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to place my faith in you. You're the only one that can make that choice. You can do that right there where you are seated. You can do it when you leave here today. You can do it wherever you are. Jesus, I want to follow you. If you've never trusted in Christ, maybe you've, maybe you've trusted in Christ but never followed through in baptism. Maybe you've never made your decision public so that everybody knows. Man, listen, a, a decision to follow Jesus is not a, a quiet decision. It is a public decision so that the world may know. That the world may know. That the world may know. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, but yet you've yet to make some, some things right that you know you need to make things right. Don't wait. Make them right today. Yes, ma'am. Jesus is telling you not be hateful from the pains of the past. Yolanda, we've talked about some of those things. It's hard. Acknowledging the fact that you are hateful and you've got those feelings, that's the first step towards healing. Second, beginning to pray for those that you have those feelings towards. The third thing, and this is hard, beginning to bless those that you have those feelings towards. Yeah. As we leave today, um, let's just leave quietly. Um, overseers um, and spouses that are here, if you want to come, and because I, there may be people that want to come and just pray, or there may be people that want to come kneel, I'd like for us to leave quietly today, no with music at all, because I don't know what may happen. But there may be some people that said, I, I just want somebody to pray with me or pray over a specific subject. I'm dealing with this. Um, and you can come after as people are leaving and come and pray. Maybe you say, I, man, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. You come. You may come and say, I, I need to be baptized. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a believer, but I've not made my decision public. Or maybe you just need to come and kneel and pray. That's up to you. But as we leave today, that's a great way for us to end.
But as Mr. T would say, don't be a fool. And let's pray for one another because we all are a step away from stupid. Father, thank you. Your word speaks much louder than anything, any story that I could ever tell. Praying today for our families. Lord, may, may you use us as your instruments. Thank you for the words that we've heard. Your word is very powerful. Holy Spirit, you've spoken. Now may we respond. As we leave this place, may we be your instruments of grace and your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen.